If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Today I have Annie again, a friend and T1D mom. She is here to read a question that's been written in by a listener. So Annie, why don't you go ahead and read this question and then we can talk about it and see what kind of answers we can come up with. Okay, so this one says, my daughter is 11 and was diagnosed about nine months ago. She's been a champ, totally willing to do all of the things that she needs to do. But recently, she's been asking to have sleepovers at other people's houses, and I'm really not sure how to say yes to that. I've been able to send her to school fine. There's a good team there, and she has a phone and is pretty responsive. I just text her about her numbers if she's going low, and she would text me at lunch before she doses. If she goes to a sleepover, I think she'd be fine through the evening. She could check her phone, just like she does at school, but I don't know how to handle the nighttime part. I could watch on the Dexcom and just let the parents know that I might have to come over in the night, but that feels really extreme for them and kind of scary for me. Is there any way to make this work? Trying to let her fly in Colorado Springs. Yeah, it's so hard, right? And so I'm seeing a few things here. One is that this kid is pretty newly diagnosed, right? So she's just in this for about nine months. And she is wanting some independence in a way that is scary for any parent having a type one kid do a sleepover. I don't know. I don't know what your experience was. But for me, it took a while to get to that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The thing that's showing up for me the most in this conversation is that the mom is willing and able to have her team at school and lean into those people. But I'm just sensing that she's really scared to ask for help in her community. And partly I'm sensing that because I see that as an issue, especially for parents who have more newly diagnosed kids. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a sense of, I'm going to burden people. I don't want to burden people. I don't want to ask them. It's such a burden for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the feeling I'm getting about that is that she's struggling with asking people in her community to really lean in. And what I see in this question is that because of that, she's actually leaning into her kid in a way that might be okay, but feels like a developmental stretch to me. So Mm -hmm. she's asking her kid, like her strategy is if she goes to the sleepover that her daughter at 11 could just check her phone the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what, what age Annie, did you have your, would you have thought that your children were capable of managing this level of thing independently like that? Yeah. I didn't think about that when I read it, but I think you're right that that's a pretty big responsibility. Um, I think it depends like what age depends so much on the kid. Yeah. Um, like if your kid is a little ADD or, um, 
or just, you know, how nervous, like them being nervous is a problem, but it also makes them check more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So that's an important point that you're bringing up. Them being nervous can make them check more. So some of it is about how, how responsible are they? Can, are they capable of doing it? And also how anxious are they? Because they might be a hyper responsible kid um, who's also very anxious. Those two things do tend to go together, right? And we actually want to help them lower their anxiety. What we mm -hmm. want as parents in general with non-T1D parents too, is we want our kids to feel like there's a big safety net for them. It's not just us. It's a lot of people. Um, if they fall down and scrape their knee, that there are people at school they can go to and get help with that, right? So mm -hmm. same thing with diabetes. We want them to feel like there's a broad safety net and mm -hmm. like they're like the, the responsibility isn't even, isn't just on mom and dad or them, right? Because if it's just them, that's a little too much at certain developmental ages, I would say. And if it brings up, I'm glad you're bringing up anxiety because if it brings up their anxiety and that's what's motivating them to check all the time, that doesn't feel to me at 11, at least to be developmentally appropriate, maybe at 16 it is right? But, but certainly not at 11. I, I don't know. My kids weren't managing more independently like this until high school. What are, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts there? Well, I think it's super helpful what you're saying, because I feel like if you think about it, when you say, if you, if you fall down and scrape your knee at school, you want to be able to go to the parents, to the staff or whoever. But I think that it's true, right? Like, you think about type one, type one diabetes and how, how much can they take care of and all of that. But if they're going to a friend's house at 11, they're going to be cared for by that parent. Right. right? Yes. They're not going out on the town by themselves. They're going to be under someone else's care. Mm -hmm. And for them, the diabetes care is part of the care. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. we think like, oh, this is too big to ask. We should figure out how to make it happen for them or how they can take care of it. But you would never send your kid to a sleepover and tell them they have to get their own food prepared or something. Right. No, that's a really good point. So what you're doing is sort of um, holding a mirror up to this from like regular parenting and saying, wow, we wouldn't ask this of any other 11 year old child to take care of a lot of things themselves. Like we would expect, for example, that if our kid goes to a sleepover at 11, that the parent in charge would probably say, okay, kids, girls, it's time to get your pajamas on and everybody brush your teeth, right? We wouldn't expect that at 11, they'd be asked to manage that. Maybe at 16, they might, probably they would, but at 11, they wouldn't. So there's something about the age of this kid and what the mom's hoping that this daughter can do, I think to protect the mom from the discomfort of asking, mm -hmm. right? And it mm -hmm. is so uncomfortable to ask. Another thing though, like if your kid is 11 and they go to a sleepover and they have a nightmare, you would like them to feel comfortable going and getting the parents or like asking their friend whose parents it is and that they would go get the parents, right? Like there is a, like you're handing your kid over to be cared for by this other parent. So I, I think that's helpful. And I think the other thing is what I was just thinking is that you would want a kid that was sleeping at your house to be comfortable coming to you for a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, so true. Yeah. Actually, what I'm thinking about is a kid for my non-diabetic parent. She had a friend who came with us for a weekend away and the roads we were driving were super curvy and she got out of the car and went with us into the supermarket 
and ended up throwing up all over the grocery store and then couldn't sleep well that night. So I was up at like six in the morning playing Jenga or something with her. And it wasn't delightful for me, but I was really happy that I could help create the safety so that she could have that time with my daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. So this does happen even without diabetes. When we take on other people's children, we take on the responsibility of caring for them when they're anxious, when they're getting a little sick, maybe when things are hard for them. Absolutely. That's a great thought. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type 1, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at DiabetesSweetTalk.com. Let's think about how this mom could ask. How could Mm -hmm. she ask for the help that she needs? And how does she overcome the hurdle of I'm burdening them? They might have to lose sleep. This is too hard. You know, what are your thoughts? I think what helps me the most in terms of being able to ask is putting myself in their position. Like, would I feel burdened if a kid that was sleeping over at my house needed extra care? And I feel like most people, when they're afraid to ask, if you think like, would you be comfortable doing that? Would that feel burdensome too? They will say, no, absolutely not. I'd be totally comfortable doing that. So I feel like that's how I have kind of pushed through that hesitance um, or fear of asking. So I love that. And I want to name one thing that I find with type one parents is a hurdle around that, which is that as type one parents, we tend to be less well-rested, Right. And so we think we are asking somebody who is already sleep deprived to lose more sleep. And what we have to remember is they're not as sleep deprived as we are. That's a really good point. (laughs) Yeah. For them to lose one night of sleep, potentially, they might not even, but for them to potentially lose one night of sleep is de minimis compared to what it would be to ask us to do that um, because we're so sleep deprived to begin with in general. I also think there's the issue about when you ask for the help, when you've overcome the hurdle, right? When you realize that it's not as big a deal for them as you think it is, and they might and are likely happy to be in community support in that way, right? Like I remember when my son was diagnosed, everyone reached out and said, can we bring you a meal? And I'm like, actually, that's the last thing you can do for me. I don't want any food that I haven't prepared you know, with a calculator in my hand Mm -hmm. going into this house, people didn't know what to do, right? So was I as guilty as this mom is of not leaning in with my first child early in diagnosis? Yes. Um, But I started eventually to lean in. And some of that was about asking for very specifically what I needed to feel safe, right? So that's really important. You can't send them out and be anxious the whole time that they're gone. You have to create some kind of plan with the parent about you checking in with the parent, let's say, you know, before that last snack, you checking, you know, I would be checking in with the parent at every meal, certainly. I wouldn't be texting my 11-year-old and saying, go ahead and dose. I'd be saying to the Mm -hmm. parent, 
you know, can you eyeball for me, take a picture, let's figure out the carb count, you know, mm-hmm. and, and please have her dose this. Um, like if your child is adept at the technology, the parent doesn't need to learn how to push the buttons, but I think the parent should be mediating that just so the kid doesn't feel fully responsible. Um, and also checking in before bed, checking in at different times, you know, so that the, you, the T1D parent can feel safe and okay that you have a real partnership and that you don't have to be on eggshells the whole time that your kid is mm-hmm. in someone's house. Yeah, totally. Those are really important points. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to encourage this mom, this is possible. And it's also hard, right? This is a big hurdle for a lot of families. So the fact that you're nervous about it makes sense. And I encourage taking baby steps. One of the baby steps that I've encouraged in the past, another mom is to, instead of asking like, will you take her for the sleepover as the first question to say is the first question, Hey, I have something to ask you. That's making me feel kind of (laughs) nervous because it feels like a lot. Would it be okay with you if I asked for that? Right. So it's setting it up already to see if the parent is receptive and, and to try, you know, at 11, you mostly are knowing the other parents in your child's community. So maybe to Mm -hmm. try with someone who feels particularly safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Annie, for being on the show. You're welcome. Next. See you next time. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type one, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.